At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, speaking of books. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm Alex Higley. And I'm Lindsay Hunter. And And I'm I'm a writer, writer, but... Welcome to I'm a Writer, but today we have Hilary Leichter, who is the author of the novel Temporary, which was a finalist for the New York Public Library Young Lions Fiction Award, the Center for Fiction First Novel Prize, and was long listed for the Penn Hemingway Award. Her writing has appeared in N Plus One, The New Yorker, Harper's, The New York Times, and Conjunctions. She teaches at Columbia University. Welcome, Hilary. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. And I can't imagine, like, a list I would salivate over more than right. your publication history. <laughs> it's like N plus one and conjunctions and oh, what? The what? what? Yeah. Is- <laughs> I'm intimidated. Thank you so much. No. <laughs> oh, please don't be. It's a, it's a, it's a, a list. I say it as a prayer every night before I yeah. get a <laughs> I get that. I'm going to start doing that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're so excited to have you. We were just telling you that we read your book like last year or a year ago and um, just freaking loved it. And then have been revisiting it this week and re- reminding ourselves how brilliant it is and bizarre and truly its own thing. And mm-hmm. just if any of you out there haven't read it, treat yourselves. It is such, such a great book. So thank you. We're so excited to have you. Yes. Thank you so much. That's really high praise coming from both of you. And um, I, I mean, you're, you're now, now having read it again, you're one of, uh, uh, 15 people who have read it. Get out of here. (laughs) And like four of those people are you. Yes. Yes. We're in an elite group. Finally. You're in the club. (laughs) We have jackets and we have hats. Oh my God. What color are the jackets? Are they yellow or? I feel like they have to be yellow. They gotta be yellow, yeah. I'm ordering them right now. As we're oh, cool. oh, perfect. Put me down for three. <laughs> um, well, now we're gonna make you read to us. What are you gonna read? I'm gonna read something old. This is a Ooh. 
Uh, <laughs> something old, something new, something yes. borrowed, and something blue. Now, this is a, a a very very short story that um I wrote in I want to say 2013 ish. Oh. Yeah, and it's it's called Two Judys. <gasps> what? My daughter's name is Judith. Is it really? Oh, yes. God, it's, 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 well, okay. We'll, we'll talk about that after. Okay. Okay. This is this is for you, Judith, but only if you like it. <laughs> you duties. The party was set for Thursday, and someone invited the wrong Judy. We wanted the funny Judy with the drinking problem. Someone invited the other Judy, who was nice enough, but not the kind of Judy you'd want at a Thursday night party. When she arrived at the door, we tried our best to hide our disappointment. We looked at each other, wondering, who invited this Judy? We took her coat and offered her a beer. But Judy was on a cleanse. She was always cleansing, and it made us feel oily, fleshy, questionable. Oh, Judy, someone mumbled. So glad you were free tonight, one of the girls said, pushing some energy through the point of her exclamation. To be honest, I'm not usually available on Thursdays, Judy said. It was great that you gave so much notice. This wasn't true. Judy was available all week, every week, which is partly why we didn't care for her. But it made us think about our own Judy, sitting at home, keeping her Thursday night free for us. Could we invite her last minute? Was that kosher? Someone excused himself and went to go dial her, but he dialed the wrong Judy again, and Judy's phone started buzzing in the living room in her purse. She answered it, confused, and looked at us. Hey now, is this a party game? She asked. We paused, then said, yes. How do you play? She asked. The other Judy would not have asked such a doltish question. She would have pretended to know the game or invented the rules for us, smoothed over our awkwardness with a jump in place and a jog around the room. For a second, we could see the current Judy register our discouragement, and maybe she sensed that she wasn't our first choice, was not what we had hoped for. It must be a terrible feeling to be the wrong Judy and to know it. Someone thought of this and offered her the best red bowl of corn chips. She reminded us about her cleanse, but this time we weren't quite as annoyed. Maybe we could grow into this Judy, we thought, like a formal suit or a gym membership. Someone sat next to her on the couch. Maybe she'd even start to prefer us. Maybe we could shape ourselves into the right kind of crowd for the wrong kind of Judy. It's true, we were all so much younger then. None of us were the best versions of ourselves, not even first thing in the morning. Not even the Judies were the Judies they hoped they would be. That's all. <laughs> that was so charming. And as <laughs> as my Judith is three years old, she's often quite a few different Judies throughout the day. So I'm I sure. <laughs> also Judith is a power move. Like I much prefer Judith to Judy. That's <laughs> Yeah, it depends on. The, I don't know if she's going to be Judith or Judy. She, you know, Ooh. she's yeah. just who knows. Yeah. How old <laughs> Her is prerogative. She? She's three and a half. <clears throat> okay, so she has time to figure it out. Yes, Hillary, oh, that man. piece seemed to have um, 
kind of a, a spiritual connectivity to the to, to temporary. It seemed like there was a kind of sensibility that you already had in 2013 with some of the tonality of that work that exists in temporary. Can you talk if talk about if there's any connection or if there was anything you were working through in some of that earlier work? Yeah, I mean, actually, temporary comes from a short story that I wrote around the same time. And um, so yes, they are connected, I'm sure, even though I haven't really thought about it. And I was I was just thinking of something short that I could read for you all. today. <laughs> but, they, but, but I wrote them around the same time. And um, it was, I had just finished graduate school and was rejoining the workforce full time and was overworked and exhausted and confused about what what I was supposed to be doing and in what order and how to follow the yellow brick road toward a career as a writer and it just none of it made any sense and so I I, I was writing a lot of flash fiction and I was writing a lot of stories about that feeling and that that mm -hmm. feeling of being locked and and not only being lost, but sort of feeling like you, someone handed out a map and you just weren't there to receive it. Wow. <laughs> and that was a, that was a feeling that I, I had at that. I mean, I still have that feeling about a lot of things, but I really, it was a powerful feeling at that time. Um, and I, I just kind of didn't know what I was, where I was supposed to be. And I, and I was um, I was writing a lot into that emotion. So so yeah, they I think they are spiritual. So maybe Judy is the temp's name because she's mm -hmm. unnamed. <laughs> I never thought about that, but mm -hmm. she might be one of the Judys. You know. There you go. Yeah, I think that works. I'm forever gonna think of her that way. Dabble <laughs> <Gavel> bang. <laughs> How did you know? Can you talk about the feeling of like, okay, I know that this is a short story, but then wait, this thing over here that I thought was a story, I actually want to turn it into a novel. Can you talk about that, what that felt like and how you knew it could be something longer for temporary? <clears throat> yeah, I definitely didn't know. And I think that's an important emotion that I need when I, when I start something longer is, is that feeling of not really knowing if it can work mm. and just kind of flinging things against the wall and but in a but in a fun way and it in a different way than when you can't find your way into something and it's frustrating and mm -hmm. and so I I was working on another novel for a really long time and it it will never see the light of day I don't think it's just <laughs> it's just like I don't know Ugh, it's well the word is bad I guess <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I, was, I just couldn't I couldn't find my way into it it was it was painful it was it was like the the prose was overworked and shitty and and um and i just and i just did not know what else to to work on and i i went back to some of my short stories and i i went back to temporary and i it i thought it was done cuz it was published and you know that's a thing that you feel when something's published that right. it's done yeah but um <clears throat> but i thought oh hey this is weird I wrote this four or five years ago and I still feel this way. And the emotional concerns of that story were still the things that were troubling me. And, but, but in a new way, because I was older. And mm -hmm. so I thought maybe there was something more to say there. And I just started playing around with it. And the playing was really fun. And, um, 
and I like being in my sandbox. I like being in my sandbox with a new project and, and, and not telling anyone what I'm working on and kind of just having fun. And that was the experience of working on this book. And, and it, it almost, almost without my permission became something longer before I knew it. It was a, it was a novel and, and I, and it happened really quickly. And I think it was all because it spoke to the the biggest fears and the biggest emotions I had at that at that moment in my life. And um, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if every book will be like that that I write, but that seems mm-hmm. to be something that's important to me to for the emotional concerns to be very well, this is a crappy publishing word, but urgent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and at least to me, like if it's something, if it's something that I felt a long time ago or something that I will feel one day, it just doesn't, it doesn't happen as quickly. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I totally get what you're saying. And it reminds me of something we talked about with Rachel Yoder about Night Bitch, because <laughs> she was book. sort of, you know, doing the same thing. Just like, I, I actually have more to say. And I have actually, now I have more to say and I can't, you know, and it was just sort of coming out of her like that. And, and she just kept following it. And it's a very different book from temporary. That book is so good. Oh my God. I know. (laughs) We love you, Rachel. Um, we do, (laughs) but yeah, it just, it feels like in a way it's like a little manifesto, not little, but it is, you know, like it's, 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 it's its own manifesto and its own little, in a own little world and language. Was writing temporary as as propulsive as I mean that the experience of rereading it this over the past couple of days as I for, I really forgot how propulsive it is and how you just you just fly through it and not in a not even in a page turnery way but just like kind of there's there's a joyous quality to the prose mm-hmm. there's a joyous quality to the way the prose is laid out on the page I feel like the length of the chapters, the playfulness of the titles, um, it, it really leaps out. And I was wondering if, if there was that kind of joy in the writing. That means so much to me to hear. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. It was, I wrote it in a sprint and I was cracking myself up and just, <laughs> and I just gave myself permission to do whatever I wanted. You know, I, I gave myself permission to just really kind of free associate my way through the book and and not stop for anything and it was this weird gap in employment where I had work but I was working from home and I had the time to devote to it and um yeah the stars just kind of aligned and and I I could it was it was a period of time in my life where I could wake up at two in the morning with an idea and just pick up my computer and go and not be late for work the next day because I didn't have to be in an office. And so it it worked out really nicely. And um, but I yeah, I had the most fun ever <laughs> writing awesome. this book. And I feel like a little bit of shame saying that because <sighs> I think I think there's this idea that writing is supposed to be brutal and hard and like and not joyful. And yeah, I, I want to talk about that because so many people feel that way right like and I think I think they're getting confused with publishing (laughs) oh my god thank you I was gonna say right I was gonna say like the writing can be very joyful but the fact that you have to it's an endurance sport might be Mm. where the pain is 
because if you're, if you're sitting down and writing and you're, and it's painful in a, like a not useful way, like if it's painful because it's emotional, that's one thing, but if it's painful because you're like, I hate this, then that's not the way it's supposed to feel. But there's also a misunderstanding of endurance because Hillary started the conversation with us talking about how the two Judy story was from 2013. She wrote the short story that she ended up pulling temporary from into the, you know, into the novel about the same time. And like the endurance is the fact that you were willing to sit with that project, sit in that feeling, trust yourself enough, you know, sit with, sit with the work enough. There's the endurance. The, right. the People think that it means, you know, gut it out on a daily basis, hit, hit a word count, you know, hit and that stuff. I, you know, I think for some people, the, the, the performative aspect to that helps them because I think it gives them meaning in the act, but I would say the mind that's a, that's a minority of people for me personally, that is meaningless. I don't, I, I seek what you, the experience that you had, because I think there's nothing better than when you know a project is right. Mm-hmm. And I think when it's really right, it carries all the way through into the work in a way that is unique. And that's mm-hmm. why I really wanted to ask, you know, was writing it as joyful as reading it? Because that truly carries through. It's not bullshit. It's not like some like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's amazing how powerful that is, I think. That means so much to me. And it like, because I, because I guess I, it was an experiment. I didn't know. I didn't know. Um, I didn't know if you could like transmute the way you were feeling to the reader through just feeling it while you were writing. Mm. And, and I hoped that was the case. I hoped that it would read as a joyful kind of like explosion of energy and, and ideas and heart. But I didn't know that I didn't know if, if that was, if it was enough to just feel those things while you were writing. And so it means a lot to hear that that was your experience reading it because I often think that we confuse the emotion that we feel and putting that emotion honestly on the page with being the same thing as letting a reader feel something. And and sometimes it is the same thing, but sometimes it's not. Like, mm-hmm. like just because I'm writing a chapter that's extremely happy doesn't mean that I'm going to deliver that happiness effectively to the reader. And that to me is the main challenge of writing. Like how do you deliver the emotion that you want to deliver to the reader in an honest way, but also in a, in a way that's like, I think there has to be some mediation there. There has to be some sort of, it's not artless it's artful. Mm -hmm. You know, there has to be some sort of structural like system to deliver it. And and so I, yeah, so I really didn't know what the book would read like to other people. To me, it's like an inside joke with myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I I do think about things for a really long time and then I write really quickly. I, I like, I marinate for ages and then, and then kind of until I can hold the whole book in my head, which isn't to say that I know everything that's going to happen, but I... I can hold it in my head like a place that I've already visited and then I can go there. Wow. And 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 so so the patience involved in that is is important but also 
sometimes I don't know that that's what I'm doing. <laughs> like, obviously, like, you know, between 2013 and 20, I don't know, 2018 was when I sold the book. I wasn't sitting and meditating on this story every day. It was just kind of in the back of my mind, evolving as I turned into a new person. And um, the book that I just finished is a similar thing. It was, it came from a short story that I wrote in 2017 and and thought about and its meaning changed over time for me and it came to mean something new during the pandemic and um and then i wrote the book around it in in one kind of fevered burst and and not a joyful burst a different kind of thing but but still like an emotional experience and um and so i guess this is how i write books i don't know (laughs) <laughs> I'm still learning. I still don't know, you know, like, I don't know if two is enough for a pattern, but, mm. but it seems to be the way my brain works. And, um, and who knows if, if that's healthy, <laughs> only time will tell. I mean, I think, you know, one, one thing that people say all the time with, with books that they really love, or, you know, that is a, is a high watermark for a book that is unique, idiosyncratic is, you know, the book is speaking its own language. And when you talk about feeling like you had written, you know, your own inside joke, were able to put that in into places in the novel or or kind of imbue the novel with that spirit. I think that is really the joyous aspect for me as a reader. And I think for many people who love this book, because when a writer is doing that, and even if you aren't tracking what the connections are initially or how things are aligning, what's you know, structurally is happening, even if that's not all registering on a first read, the fact that a writer is in the zone enough where they're able to speak their own language and trust the, the kind of free association and, and kind of um, intuitive nature of what's underneath the narrative and even forefronted, I think is, is so exciting because then you just know that you're going to be reading something surprising. And I mean, what's better than that? I think, I don't know. I, I think that's such such a wonderful feeling to seek as a reader. So there's no question. I'm just I'm just rambling out to you about well, your I book. Have <laughs> I have a question for both of you. I mean, what is it that you think prevents us from getting to that place as writers? Is it just publishing? Is it just the pressure of mm-hmm. knowing that it's a thing you're going to have to sell? Or is it something more than that? Because I, um, I you know, the temporary came out during COVID, like at the very beginning of COVID and when like right when New York shut down. And so so I didn't really have the normal book experience and um, which which only hammered home for me the feeling that the only thing that matters is the process of writing itself mm. in terms of in terms of my life, like obviously the book goes on to live a life of its own that has nothing to do with me. But for me, you know, you can't count on anything except the that moment alone playing, you know, in the dark with ideas and without anyone's influence. And I feel like that's the most magical part. So like, what is it that that makes that so hard to access? What do you think? Is it just like the world intruding? That is such a good question. <laughs> um, I just don't know. I'm like genuinely curious. I don't know. I think like, so I'm, I'm just thinking about like, you're absolutely right. Like the, the moment where the book is yours and it's your thing and it's yours because you aren't 
like you haven't yet asked people to look at it or you haven't yet, you know, asked, you know, your agent, what he or she thinks, you know, and it's yours. And so you're making it this thing. And it, it really is like play. It's like, you're, you're building your, your fortress or, you know, mm-hmm. like you're sculpting something out of whatever. And, and, and that is the best feeling. And I think I, I chase that. And I, I think I all too often assume that that's enough. <laughs> and so I think, well, I mean, I love it, you know, and I'm, I'm happy with it and proud of it and people will get it, you know, and, and that sometimes that's not true. Um, but I think there, I think the feeling of writing toward what you think might work or what people might want is, is like a, is a bad feeling because, <laughs> because then that's not really you, you know, that's not really like what you have to offer, but it's not easy because I think all too often those, sometimes those books don't sell, you know, like, or, um, sometimes they do like often, you know, they do, but like, and when they don't, it can feel like, oh shit, like I, maybe I don't have anything to offer, or they're telling me that this book is too similar to all these other books. And maybe I'm just a, you know, but I can remember, I can access those moments where it was mine and, you know, I really believed in it and believe in it. Um, and so you just have to go, okay, well, I'm going to go try to find that feeling again. I don't know if that answered your question, but I, I, I think what you, what you said about those moments alone, where you're making the thing and it's just you and the thing you're making are what matter. It's so hard to reverse engineer it too, because no one in publishing was saying, I want a book like temporary. And <laughs> totally. you know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. They, like, they like, really weren't saying that. Well, what, <laughs> right. Like, because like that book doesn't exist in like, this book had to be created and put in front of someone that was going to say yes. And like, it's amazing that books like this get published in a way because it really takes someone who's willing to take a chance and say like, Whoa, what is this? This is amazing. Like every book like this. And by which I mean out of the ordinary in any way, it's amazing that it exists at all. Like it's, I don't know. It's hard for me to not think of, the the relationship between the feeling that we're talking about and publishing because the feeling you were just describing Lindsay like very similar to what Hillary was saying it's also possible that you could send out that project and someone's going to say yes you may hit yeah, you may right. hit a person early and they're they're going to be like yes i feel the same way and there's such a conditional quality to that at, at the end of the process that seems to like confer legitimacy but really it's just we're just dealing with another person's opinion and they may or may not agree with you. Right. So it's right. it's frustrating because it's not really it's 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 so hard to put an accurate value judgment on that in relationship to what you felt during the process. And I mean, I'm I'm on submission right now, and it's like you deal with reckoning with exactly what we're talking about the whole time yep. because you're, you're dealing with notes coming back and you're like, yeah, I see that. Or you're like, ah, I don't know. Like does, does, and it, it, it puts in, it calls into question the uh, veracity of everything you felt during the process or everything that was told to you by people who felt the same way initially, who may not be the people who are decision makers. I don't know. It's impossible to know. I think. Yeah. I think, I think I, I think to myself like, well, 
you know, like I have a voice and it's my own, you know, cause everyone has their own and I've, it's been hard one. And, you know, everyone goes through that where they finally stop trying to write like Alice Monroe or whoever they love and they mm-hmm. write like themselves. And so I think like, okay, well, that's what I have to offer. But then when, when feedback comes back and it's like, yeah, you know, I can see this is a talented person and I like this book, but no, nah, not for me. Then you're like, oh, <laughs> like I have to do something, you know, it's, it's a mind fuck is what it is. It's just. Lindsay, you are a great writer. This book is brilliant. We don't want it. Yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Oh, oh thank you. A classic response. That's like mm-hmm. text. <laughs> oh yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, like I, I have to believe that there's inherent value to the making of the thing itself and whether or not, I mean, obviously we're writers, we want someone to read our work, you know, and, and that's, and when that doesn't happen, it's disappointing. Um, And on submission for temporary, I had to kind of invest in the delusion of like confidence in, in this thing because, because I had felt such joy when I was making it and I didn't want, I didn't want the experience of sharing it to cancel my experience of making it. And I think that like, those are the two experiences and they're, they're like two rooms that are adjacent to each other. And sometimes there's a door that lets you into the other room and sometimes there isn't, but it doesn't mean that the other room doesn't exist, right? Like it's, you're in the room making this thing. And just because someone won't let you in the publishing door, it doesn't negate the the joy or the sorrow or the love or the curiosity or the like you know whatever you felt when you were making that thing like that was real and so i i i really believe and I, maybe it's easier to say cuz temporary like you know found a home and if it hadn't found a home maybe i would just be bitter about this but um but i really like invested all my faith in the experience of making it and and then just convinced myself that everything else was out of my control and and that was the thing that i chose to believe in the the truth of my own process of creating it and how how much how much that meant to me you know that's like the best way to protect your gift you know, yeah. you have to protect so. it. And, and, yeah. and like, that's, that's your thing, you know, like, and, and that's just, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it's hard to do, but that's right. So and I say this now, but like rejection is a, is a bitch, you know, it, like, first it was, and it was really, it's really tough when the thing in your heart is just like constantly getting hammered. Cause it feels like your heart is getting hammered. It feels like a, it feels like heartbreak. You yes, know. yes yes it yes. does feel like that you're right that i mean it really does yeah it, it does feel like that i hadn't it thought about it that way but it's so obvious like i think the like I, my ideal oh this is gonna be so corny no i'm gonna say it yeah yes, <laughs> yes. Do it. my ideal emotional state for writing is like being in love and yes and not not being in love with myself or like with the words I'm writing, but like in the sense that when you're in love, everything is a is is like 
bright and intoxicating and and you know everything is heightened and you're curious about everything and like and in a in a 24-hour daydream you know and i and i think that's the feeling that i that i want when i'm making something and um and so then when when someone doesn't want it it does feel like someone rejecting you like it really feels like getting like getting your heart broken mm -hmm. but i think that's beautiful too i don't know like heartbreak is such a it's such a painful emotion but it's also delicious a little bit it's also like like you can wallow in it a little bit it's a little <laughs> bit bittersweet it's a little bit i don't know it's a little bit like tub of ice cream and a meg ryan movie <laughs> like <it's, laughs> so i don't I don't know that I mind it because it's like it feels like it feels like if your heart is broken, then you you wrote what was in your heart. I'm just yeah, no, I mean, that's I think you're just in a more evolved person than I am. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm petty and I'm petty and and, uh, and I have no self-confidence. And no, this is like <laughs> catching me at a very like. I just like I had a drink. I had some lasagna. I'm like in a very oh what a dream. I know. <laughs> oh my god, what's better than lasagna? I think it needs to be talked about more just in general. Lasagna is god damn. Can you talk a little bit about working with Emily Books? Yeah. Oh, it was well. Thank goodness for them. Right. Big like, fan. I, big fan. Oh, they were amazing. Um, I got to work with both Emily Gould and Ruth Curry, and um, they you know, they both were, they're just wonderful. You know, I just feel really lucky that they found something in my book that, that, you know, resonated with them. And, and to be in that lineup of women is just, I will, I'll be proud of that forever. You know, I think what they did for publishing in I think they, they, I think they actually changed the type of books that are published. And I don't think you can say that for very many people. I think that when they started publishing, you know, weird books by weird women were outliers and, and now it's kind of the norm. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, it's what my friends who are not writers and not in the industry, it's what they look for. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that they had a big hand in, in changing that and making that part of the mainstream um it does feel like the norm in an amazing way like amazing. i hadn't thought of it that way until you said it but it's so true when you think about some of the books that have really been huge lately it's like really weird books by female writers like yeah. it's true yeah and i and i i really think that's i mean it's for a lot of reasons but i think they're a big part of that and um they just were so ahead of their time and they have such vision and such good taste. And, and I just, um, yeah, I just feel, I will always feel grateful to them. And I wish, I wish they were still around, but I know they'll, you know, be doing other cool, exciting things down the road. So. Um, because a lot of our listeners are, are writers, are people who have books on submission now or are hoping to get books out on submission soon. Can you tell us a little bit more, about after the book was bought, what the process of editing the manuscript was, what, how heavy, you know, how heavy was the work that you were having to do before publication? Was the manuscript close to what, you know, we read now? What, what was that process like? 
Yeah. Well, uh, like side note, I'm actually on submission now too, Alex. Oh so my I'm god. Your yes. <laughs> yeah, and we we don't have to talk about that. We'll just it's <laughs> not happening. Um, <laughs> so so uh, we did something kind of weird. We we sent the book out in 2017 to editors, and I had the opportunity to get you know some feedback, some rejections, and. And I had a phone call with some notes and, you know, was getting the sense for how people were responding to the book. And I had some ideas for changes and revisions that I could do. Um, also ways to expand it a little bit. And so I asked my agent to pull the book from submission and I took about six months to revise it. Wow. And she did. And luckily the editors were... Um, I mean, none of them bought it in the, in the end, but they were willing to read the revision. And so we we pulled it from submission. I really took my time, uh, kind of the reverse of the way the book was written. I really just spent a lot of time thinking and not writing and then kind of came to some structural decisions about the book. I did this huge, the biggest edit of all was... Um, naming the state of permanence that the temp is looking for mm. there, it was not named in the original draft of the book and i i named it the steadiness and i it was like the most exciting moment for me as a writer oh, because wow. i realized when you name something in a book it suddenly takes on a life of its own and i didn't know that i didn't know about that and so by by naming it and giving it it, it kind of took this shape and it was it suddenly became this thing that was easier to understand and contextualize and it had like all this mythological energy to it that i, I think was not there and so then we sent it out again in 2018 and um and emily books and coffeehouse press bought it and the edit was really light because I had really put a lot of time into it. And I know people are, are different when it comes to sharing work with their agent or sharing work with an editor. I tend to not send anything to my agent until it's done. And, and by that, I mean, like it has a beginning, middle and end, not that it's perfect or that it's, you know, not going to change more along the road, but I don't share chapter by chapter or partials of things that I'm working on, I, I I tend to send like a whole finished thing just because oftentimes my books are kind of puzzles to me and I don't really know what they're going to be until I get to the end and then I go back and mess around with everything. And so so the version that, that we sent to Emily Books was really far along and it was pretty polished. And then the work that Ruth and Emily did on it was just strengthening what was already there and finding connections that I maybe hadn't seen in the manuscript. I think they suggested one extra chapter, um, which I wrote, and um, and and I I fixed the ending, which <laughs> like the ending and the beginning are the hardest parts, right? And so the ending changed maybe the most of anything when when it was already with Emily Books, but but there wasn't a, a lot of editing beyond the standard copy edits and and proof proofs that you have to go through and continuity stuff and but that's but that's um because I'm crazy <laughs> and I'm, a, I'm really a perfectionist about like about everything and so so I, I had I had worked it to the bone before before we gave it to anyone the moment where you pulled it from submission and took the six months 
did you have to work yourself up to that decision? Because I imagine that would have been, I think I just thinking about myself, I feel like that would be so difficult to do. I feel like, you know, thinking like, ah, well, maybe the next person's going to say yes to this. Or did you just have, did you just know based on notes you were getting or based on just something internal that you were like, I, I have to do this? No, I wanted to die. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm like, so I glad you said that because otherwise no. I'd be like, you're a mutant. I don't know what's going no, on. No, I'm not. I, I didn't. I, I was like shaking. I didn't. I was, I thought maybe it was a huge mistake, but, but you know, and your listeners know, like when you, when you know, something can be better in the thing you're working on, nothing is going to stop you from doing that thing. Right. And, um, and I, and I had all these thoughts about what could be better and what could, what could help everything coalesce a little bit more evenly and make everything make sense. And, and so no one was going to stop me from doing that. And I, I I actually didn't realize we could pull the book from submission. I didn't know that that was a thing. And my agent was like, no, yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> you can you can do that. And so and so when she gave me permission, I gave myself permission to just. Yeah, to just take awesome. it back. Can you talk a little bit about the book that's out now or does that feel too jinxy? No, I can. It's um. Well, if it's jinxy, we'll find out. And I'll, I'll, oh I'll maybe <laughs> maybe it's the opposite of jinxy. Yeah, what's Let's the just, opposite of jinxy? Yeah. Lucky, here we go. Yeah, there Lucky, we go. Yeah. Um. So, so I wrote this short story, and um, it yeah, in 2017, it's called Terrorist Story. And that's also the name of the book, and it's about this young couple with a baby, and they live in a very very very, very small apartment. And they have a friend who, whenever she comes over to their apartment, their closet turns into a terrace. <laughs> and oh my gosh. <laughs> the dream, the hashtag <laughs> lust. And, <laughs> and, you know, it doesn't go well. It's a, it's a mess. And, and it ends kind of tragically. And, um, and so, yeah, so it was a short story, published it, a, a year ago and and you know never really stopped thinking about it and then during the pandemic thought about it more because we were all suddenly trapped inside it wasn't just my own small apartment claustrophobia <laughs> but it, like everyone was feeling the same way mm-hmm. and um and so i had to kind of come back to that feeling and and when we were editing the story and and sending it out to um to magazines uh you know, I got a lot of pushback about the character of the friend and and what what her deal was because <laughs> she's very <laughs> mysterious in the in the story, and I was really reluctant to to divulge anything about her. Um, I just didn't. I felt like the whole thing would fall apart if I did. But then I thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we just went back to the beginning and saw the whole thing from her perspective and. And so then I, I start, I did that. <laughs> and then, wow. and then I you know, kind of like went back and thought about the other people in this family's orbit and, and thinking about the ways that we think about space as it relates to home and family, but also the planet and how we're all dying and everyone is, 
gonna die and it's about grief and love and the end of the world you know the usual things another <laughs> joyful book yeah it's, so, it's, a little, it's a little bit of a departure yeah it's not as happy as as temporary but um but i'm really excited about it i wrote it in kind of like the same state of like feeling like i had a crush on my book and and it was really fun and and now i'm in agony <laughs> just oh. waiting to find out what's gonna happen but no I'm really excited about it it's very different um from my first book which which is fun I, I, I always want to do different things I want it right now I need it to be published immediately <laughs> oh thank you oh thank you I so need much. it <laughs> well I'm knocking on wood yes yes can you talk a little bit about what it's like being what it's like teaching writing at the same time that you're writing, writing <laughs> hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, I, Alex, I feel like Alex and I think about it a lot for not yeah. being professors ourselves. It's so different with, you know, just buddies of ours that are day in, day out professors in, in zoom rooms all the time in classrooms, whatever. I feel like it's, it, there's such a different tenor to that than occasionally teaching a workshop here and there. It's like, right. I feel like it's not even comparable. I mean, I, I, I will say I really burnt out during COVID and mm. I was teaching a lot and I sort of took a step back this fall and, and over the summer and I'm, I'm just teaching undergrads at Columbia right now, which I love, but I, I really, I was, I was doing too much and I almost like just, I, I couldn't stand the sound of my own voice anymore. Mm. I hated having to have an opinion about everything. I just, because I didn't feel like my opinion mattered because everything was the worst, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. And um, I just, I really needed a break and, and it was important because I had forgotten the space that not teaching leaves for imagination and just dreaming and thinking and considering and not knowing and, and I try, I do try and bring that into the classroom too. The, this, the idea that I, I don't know everything. You know, I hate when, when teachers are like the the judge and jury on how how things are supposed to go, whether it's a writing mm -hmm. class or a literature class or whatever it is. Um, so, but that wasn't your question. <laughs> What's your question? Oh, how do I write? Well, well, I in truth I write very little when I'm teaching, mm -hmm. and. Um, but I, but I think a lot and I, and I do most of my writing when I'm not in the classroom um, because, because it's a different part of the brain to think about someone else's work. I think it can help you. You can bring those tools back to your own work, but it, yeah, I, I struggle with doing both simultaneously. It's really hard. Yeah. And I can imagine like they have lots of questions about publishing and career and stuff like that. And it, it's like the well, teacher answer and then the writer answer <laughs> might be different. Yes and no, which is part of why I love teaching undergrads because mm -hmm. a lot of them won't want to be writers. And, and so then it becomes, well, oh, we're just all learning how to think together. Mm -hmm. You know, where we're just learning about the value of words and sentences. And I am much more comfortable in that space um, because I, I'm so suspicious of of any sort of teaching that is about um, this is how you write a book. 
or, mm-hmm. or this is how you get that book published. It's like, is it? I, I don't know any story that's the same as another person's story. So I, right. and I just feel like I have no authority on that subject. And I'm much more comfortable with the idea of we're all just going to read books and read each other's work and, and learn how to be better humans and how to express ourselves, you know? Yep. And so, and, and you get that with undergrads and, and some of them are amazing writers, you know? And so some of them will become writers professionally and that's great too. But I, but the focus is less on like, how do I get an agent? <laughs> because, they're, because they're 19, you know? Mm-hmm. Although I know, I mean, I know some of them are probably thinking about that. I, I certainly was <laughs> when I was a. I was, Brian. I was so, I was like, I changed my major from like theater to business. You were a and theater kid. I was, yeah. Hey, what's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> and I was I like, like you. <laughs> yes, I, 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 because I had this thought that like, oh, I, you know. I should probably know about business for when I'm famous. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most Lindsay shit ever. Oh my God. I love, I love that. Love and then I was like, Oh, I hate this and I'm bad at it. <laughs> um, and then, yeah. So I, I, yeah. Age 19 thinking about that kind of stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like thinking about the movie version of it, you know? Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. This has been such a delight Yes, thank you so much for coming on. I feel a little starstruck. Um, what? Oh, I'm yes. starstruck. I, I've been talking about it all week. Like, oh, we're going to talk to Hillary. So this is awesome. That's ridiculous. Thank, thank you. This was so much fun. I cannot wait to hear that you've made a book deal. And yes. I can't wait to know when you I get to me? hold the book in my hand and read it with my hungry eyes. I just can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Keep going. We'll, we'll all start beatboxing. Oh, we'll- good, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yes. <laughs> good. Great. Hillary was so uh, open about everything in a way that was so wonderful to hear. Yeah. And also like centered and, and Mm -hmm. not like, doesn't sound like she has tortured herself in any way, which is good. Yeah. I just, yeah. I mean, it's such a singular book and I'm so glad that it exists. Like we were talking about before, because I think that, you know, I don't know, a lot of these books, it could be an easy no for an editor, I feel like, but then these these amazing books get through and it's so awesome and it's so worth it and like this book feels like a like a water slide mm-hmm. like yeah it like does. it's like a, you're just flying at a certain point and then you yeah come to a splash landing and it's it's exhilarating it's it is exhilarating i was looking at my goodreads review of it <laughs> i gave it a five star review and uh, <laughs> and i think i said <laughs> i think i said it was a thriller a a, a psychological no okay let me start over good god a philosophical thriller or a thrilling philosophy so hire me new york times book review that's really good i like that yeah that's what it feels like it really it's very it's so fun and and also Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like deep deep shit in there and i 
I remember as I was like going through it again, I, I remember the feeling of like laughing, but also the top half of my face in a cry, you know, you know, when that happens, when you're like, <laughs> and then you're like, why, why is my, you know, yes. that's what it feels like. It, it's because it is very funny, but it's also <laughs> like, there's some deep, deep stuff in there. Definitely. The, I, I wrote down two writers names as I was rereading it that I was like, I feel like this is a combination between these two people. Scott okay, Bradfield oh. and Mary Gateskill. Mm. And the reason was like, I feel like I had like some of the decentering prose of Scott Bradfield where you're just like, you're, <laughs> you're kind of making the face you just described, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. But then also like, it has like a real sharpness and darkness to it as well mm-hmm. in a way that I love, like, like Gateskill. I don't know. I was like, felt like that mm-hmm. that combination somewhere in there and if they like musicals like those two people and they love musicals or something. <laughs> and also and I know that this is only in my head probably no no because they do speak with each other um J. Robert Lennon's subdivision mm-hmm. is a similar type of bewilderment yeah and like and uh, Hillary reviewed that almost book. a dystopian and, and that's right and you pointed that out that she reviewed right. it for the New York Times totally yeah so, you're right like they're that would it would be interesting to think about them together. It would be interesting to read them kind of back to back because yeah, yeah there definitely is uh, some similarities. Just like sharp, so smart, so funny, mm-hmm. and just where did this come from? How do these people's brains work? Um, so what have you been up to? You've been writing, you've been reading? No, I haven't been writing. Okay. I have not. I really haven't. I've been thinking a lot about this book I want to write though. And so I feel like that can count. <laughs> I'm going to give myself credit for that. It all counts. Um, Because like I did sit down and try to start writing it and the voice was all wrong. And I realized um, I'm going to go a different direction. It's kind of hard to put into words. I I think I was coming at it. I really want to be in this person's head Mm -hmm. rather than the way that I was initially writing. It was like how you would see her. And I don't want that. Mm. Um, I want that work to be done. I, whoever reads it so anyway so i have this idea for this like running oh god it's gonna okay i almost said stream of consciousness i can't do that okay i'm glad <laughs> i i'm glad i'm i'm glad i'm getting this out because <laughs> um anyway that's where i'm at i'm thinking about that and like what that voice would look like and how i want it to be funny and accessible and not like fucking uh what's his name <laughs> Dubliners okay sure anyway JJ. right good old JJ I started reading Brendan Matthews novel we're going to talk to him yes. next yeah, yeah yeah and it's called the world of tomorrow and I love it I awesome. it is so good it is like he's bringing in all these different characters you know like all these different storylines it's set in 1939 anyway it's so good I'm really enjoying it so I can't wait to talk to him awesome next week what about you I've been working on, I was going to say I was working on my podcast voice and then I was going to drop my podcast voice. I want to do a whole episode. Oh God. <laughs> I'm going to start Please. laughing. I have to think of my phrase that I always say. And so. <laughs> <laughs> what I realized about myself is that no one I knew or that I loved really knew who the real person that I was, was. Oh my God, it's too good. It's too good.
<laughs> and I listen to those podcasts and that's what's so chilling. I listen to all of them. I'm like, who the <laughs> fuck are these guys that talk like that? There's like a whole army of guys who are just like. They all want to be Ira like, Glass. I don't get it. I'm like, what is that voice? It's not a real voice. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Damn it. I think Imagine it's like hearing a- that person sing. Like, you'd want to kill yourself. <laughs> like, oh, God. I don't know. I feel like it's like a. I don't like, I'm sorry for my voice, but in a, almost like a hubristic way. Is yes. that a word? You know, totally. they're like, like leaning into the badness. Yes. Yes. I think that's it. That's it. All right, bud. Next time. Next time. Bye. Bye. I'm a writer, but is recorded by Alex Hickley and me, Lindsay Hunter in our respective basements. Editing by Lindsay Hunter. Music by Max Loop. Yeah. Yeah.